Okay, let's, let's read our text. Um, we've worked through uh, much of uh, Leviticus 16. We're all the way over to verse 23, and I'll read through verse 28. So you follow in your copies of that which is inerrant, infallible, inspired. It's the very mind of God as black words on a white page. It reads like this. Then Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of meeting, shall take off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his body with water in a holy place, put on his garments, come out and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people. The fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar. And he who released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. And afterward he may come into the camp. The bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp, and they shall burn in the fire their skins, their flesh, and their offal. Then he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Guys, um, this drama that is um, um, explained and described in in Leviticus 16, the, the, the drama that's called Yom Kippur, um, it, it, it's winding down. Uh, we are in the closing stages of this um, of this event, uh, as recorded in Leviticus 16. And um, what has happened to this point is that the high priest is uh, uh, killed and taken blood and poured it on the mercy seat, etc., etc., etc. And so now we're getting instructions as to what he is to do as he comes out of the most holy place. Now you may recall. I told you that there are three animals that are involved in Yom Kippur. There's one bull and two goats. One of the goats is uh, chosen by Lot and is turned into the scapegoat. And the, holy, uh, the high priest uh, symbolically lays the sins of Israel on his head. And then somebody takes the goat out into the wilderness and lets it go. He's the scapegoat. The other two animals, the one goat and the one bull, they're both killed. And their blood is used. Their blood is used... Um, by the high priest, he takes it back into the holy place, and, uh, the most holy place, and pours it on uh, the mercy seat. In fact, um, if you look across the page in chapter 17, just one verse, uh, verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Now, so the, the high priest has taken the blood out of these two dead animals, he is taken into the holy place, I mean the most holy place, born on the mercy seat, and now he's coming out. Um, we've already talked about all that up to that point uh, in previous sermons on this chapter. Now we come to verse 23, and, and, and uh, God is issuing instructions as to what he's supposed to do now. And there's something new added. It's in verse 27 and 28. I want to read it. 
Um, the blood, I mean, the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp, and they shall burn in the fire their skins, their flesh, and their offal. Then he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. That's new. The high priest comes out, and he's instructed. There's, there's some tidying up that needs to be done. Here's what you are to do with the carcass. Um, you know, they killed a goat and killed a bull, took its blood, took it inside, and now there's these two dead animals there. Well, what are you supposed to do with them? He says, I want you to take everything, the skin and the awful. Do you know what that is? Uh, it's not as bad as you think. It's just those parts of the animal that were considered inedible. The whole thing was to be taken outside the camp and burned up. And then it goes on to say, the one who does that, who performs that service, is to wash, is to wash before he is allowed to re-enter the camp. Now guys, what is that all about? The sin offering has already been made. Um, what is this that's going on now? L- let me explain. Guys, yeah, sin has been paid for, but there's something that's left. It's that stain. It's that filth. It's that detritus. It's that residue of sin that's still there. And I want you to gather it all up, says God. And I want you to take it out of the side of the camp, and I want you to get rid of it. All of it. I want every last speck of it out of here. And by the way, the guy who performs that service, he's going to have to take a bath before you let him re-enter. Because as you know, to touch that sin, that filth, makes you dirty. So in the mind of God, he's saying to his people, your sin is forgiven, and yet, you know you still have an inclination to that stuff, so get rid of it all. I want all of it gathered up, taken outside the camp, and I want it burned, and I want it left out there, because to touch it is to defile you. You know, guys, um, the point of all that is that sin is to be abhorred. It's to be hated. Uh, We are to consider sin our great enemy. Why, Why don't we? Why don't we hate it more than we do? Well, let me offer this suggestion. Guys, um, I would suggest to you that we're never going to hate our sin and first until we, we come to a knowledge of what Christ has done. But the thing that makes sin so 
odious is the realization that we have sinned against love. Let me explain or illustrate. Malcolm Muggeridge tells a story. Um, Malcolm Muggeridge, you might not know that name, he was a British journalist. He died in 1990. In World War II, he was a spy. But after the war, he uh, edited a magazine called Punch, a satirical magazine called Punch. And on assignment on one occasion, he was sent to India to, to live for several months. And while there, he decided one afternoon to go out for a swim at a nearby lake. And so he goes to this lake to take a swim. And as he's swimming, he notices that on the other side of the lake, there is a handful of women who are about to enter the lake. And to do so, they are disrobing. And so... Um, he decides, well, I'm going to swim over there, you know, and take a closer look. So he does, and he swims over, and as he gets closer, he sees that these women are a handful of lepers. And what he's looking at is utterly loathsome. And so as he turns to swim away, the thing that's him is that my wife Kitty so loves me and I was willing so quickly to sin against her. I have sinned. Against love. I'm suggesting that when and if it ever really dawns on us the extremes to which God has gone to save us then we'll gather all of our sin up and we'll take it outside the camp And we'll be done with it. Because it's odious to us. It's loathsome to us. Because to sin is to sin against the God who loves me and gave himself up for me. Guys, one of the places that the love of God in Christ is on display is in this sacrament. So I invite you, come be reminded of the love that would not let you go. Let's pray. Our Father, I do pray that you will meet us here, that you will remind us of all that has gone on so that we might be delivered from our sin. I pray, God, that you will um, speak way beyond the, um, the, the simple act of eating a piece of bread and, and drinking a small cup of grape juice, that you'll remind us that those are but emblems. They're, they're, just, they're just illustrations to remind us of the love of God in Christ Jesus who, um, who has... who has died in our place to set us free from our sins.
Meet us here, Father, for Jesus' sake. Amen.